Hello everyone, I'm Giulio Prisco and this is the Turing Church podcast. In, I haven't been uh, writing much in the newsletter in the last uh, few weeks because I have been uh, very busy with uh, the draft of my next book, which is uh, going to be titled uh, Astounding Universe, Amazing Grace. I will be sharing more about uh, my progress in uh, drafting the book and uh, I hope uh, the first draft will be ready by the summer or uh, maybe in the second part of the year I will be I'll be writing about this I will keep you updated so since I wasn't writing much for the public In the last few weeks, uh, I have been sharing uh, existing audio material in this podcast. And uh, the last two episodes were uh, two parts of uh, my last conversation with Comitan, the founder of uh, Astronism, a new philosophical and religious movement. So I thought in uh, this episode I would share... uh, also the first uh, conversation with Comitan, which uh, took place uh, a little bit more than one year ago. So this uh, conversation took place in February 2021, and uh, we discussed the metaphysics, religion, and our cosmic destiny as uh, in the conversations uh, in the last two episodes, but we also discussed space flight. In fact, at that time I was in the middle of writing uh, the draft of my second book, Futurist Space Flight Meditations, and uh, I was thinking uh, about little else. So in this conversation we discussed uh, the present condition of human life, in Comitan's words and our space-faring future, both in the short and long terms. We also discussed how the endeavor to explore outer space is not inconsistent with uh, ongoing uh, social justice and uh, environmentalist movements. And uh, Comitans started to explain uh, the astronist doctrine of uh, the scope of man Uh, and humanity's relationship with the stars. Uh, I said that um, I'm not very optimistic on what will happen in the short term, but I'm wildly optimistic on what will happen in the very long term. We will spread out among the stars, and eventually we will... uh, re-engineer the universe and uh, resurrect uh, the dead, no less. Future scientists will visit black holes, experiment with extreme physics, and make new awesome discoveries that will enable us achieve our cosmic destiny. Our destiny is to become cosmic engineers and do wonderful big things, like remaking the universe and uh, bringing back the dead. Out there, among the stars, we will uh, gradually learn how to do these things. 
and perhaps we will also meet benevolent teachers ultra-advanced civilizations that are much farther along the way. So our present homework is to start walking the sacred road to the stars, which is also the title of chapter 10 of my first book, uh, Tales of the Turing Church. Mm, and uh, more or less this is a summary now here you go listen to the whole conversation I forgot to say that uh, the video of this conversation is uh, on uh, YouTube on the Astronism channel and uh, that I'm reproducing the audio here with permission. Okay, hello everybody. So it is the final episode of this series of A Conversation with Comic Tam. We're on episode eight now. Um, I started this series about six months ago. And so, you know, I've had uh, quite a few conversations with different people and they've all been very, very enlightening. And I'm sure today's conversation will be even more so. Um, so I'm joined today by uh, Julio Prisco. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Um, my British accent isn't always the best at uh, pronouncing <laughs> Italian and European uh, surnames, so sorry about that. But um, yeah, so Julio, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and sort of, I don't know why you sort of, what, what are the things you're involved with, I suppose, just to give people a flavour of, you know, why you're here and why <laughs> and why why we want to speak to you so sure first uh, thank you very much Komitan, for having me i have uh, watched the, some of the previous episodes of the show uh, the one with howard bloom and uh, the one with julia bassani they yeah. were very informative and uh, entertaining both so i'm uh, happy to being your guest today. I'm sorry to hear that this is the last episode of the first season, but uh, I hope there will be a second season after this. Yes, there will be, yes. Um, just as a little preview for everybody, I'm, I'm speaking to uh, Adriano Ortino, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Ortino. Adrian, yeah. Um, and so he's going to be part of the season two. So we're, we're already building up um a, a nice guest list for the next season so hopefully um you know that'll all go ahead so yeah i'm excited that's great so about uh, introducing myself i'm uh, going to try to make this short well first uh, uh, i grew up uh, reading a lot science and science fiction and yeah. uh, of course uh, uh since i was born in uh, 57 so i was um, 11 years old when I watched the first people uh, walk on the moon 
and uh, like uh, for many people of my generation that remained uh, burned into my mind for all my life that and uh, the 2001 film that had come out the year before yes. uh, i have always been very sorry especially after the year 2001 that uh, all those beautiful things didn't come to pass, but I'm still hopeful for the future. Uh, then I studied uh, theoretical physics. Yes. First, uh, I was into very theoretical stuff on the, on, on the edge between physics, mathematics, and philosophy. Then I decided that uh, I would have better chances to earn a living by switching to more practical things. So I did a few years in uh, uh, co uh, computational science and laser physics. Then I moved to CERN, the European Center for uh, Particle Physics in Geneva, a few more years there. Then I moved to the European Space, Ag Space Agency. Wow. I was uh, with the agency for six years. Then I spent uh, 12 years in uh, other parts of the structure of the European Union as a manager in charge of research in, for uh, space-related things. Yes. Then in 2005, I decided that uh, you know, office life was too boring for me. So I became an entrepreneur, I started a virtual reality development company that was, uh, it was quite successful for a few years until uh, the recession hit at the end of uh, the first decade of this century. Yeah. After that, I have been doing a little bit of this and a little bit, and, uh, a little bit of that. I've been a freelance writer and journalist. Uh, that's how... I made uh, most of my living uh, in this decade. Well, no, not this decade because we are uh, in the 2020s already, in the previous decade. I don't know what I will do in this decade, but I hope it will be an interesting one. And I hope it will be a magic decade because, you know, I make this count. Since I was born, the 60s were a magic decade. Then 30 years later, I think the 90s were another magic decade. Well, in the 60s, it was all about space. It was all about space exploration. In the 90s, we had the explosion of the internet and the new communication revolution. That, looking back, has changed the world a lot. Uh, at uh, that time, I and a few other uh, early adopters used to say that, uh, okay, look, this will really change things back time. Nobody really believed us, but here you go. Our world of today has been very radically transformed by the early, by what happened to the early internet. Yeah. Uh, so uh, 60 plus 30 makes 90, 90 plus 30 makes uh, 2020. I hope this will be another magic decade. Yeah. What uh, will we have? Well, uh, I hope we will have uh, a renaissance of space exploration. Mm. We won't be walking on the moon in 2024, like uh, 
they said last year. It will be later than that, of course. But I do hope that by the end of the decade, we'll see people walking on the moon again and then doing either more, uh, even more ambitious things in outer space. Okay, so we are now in 2021, other things. Since, uh, well, since I can remember, I have been uh, interested in how to say big things, fundamental things. What uh, are we doing here? Is there a goal? What happens after that? What is the future of humanity? What uh, wonderful things will the grandchildren of our grandchildren see? Mm, I have always been interested in these things at the edge between science and uh, metaphysics. Yeah. Well, here I can say the religion word. Can I? Can't I? Is that not? Yeah. It's not forbidden. Okay. That's no, no, of course not. <laughs> so I've been writing. I've been. <laughs> I've been writing about these things for a couple of decades now. A few years ago, I wrote a book, which is. Uh, this yeah. one is called uh, Tales of the Turing Church. Yeah. If you go to my website, uh, turingchurch.net, you will find uh, out more about the book. You don't even have to buy it. There is a free version that you can read online. Yeah. And uh, well, basically, here we are. Um, I'm still thinking and writing about all these things. I have uh, another couple of books in preparation. And here uh, now I'm uh, just uh, willing to discuss anything that you want to discuss. Brilliant, yeah. Um, and of course, I, I mean, I have I have a few things that I wanted to go over today, and, and sort of like a general theme, really, as to how to approach this conversation. Um, the general theme that I had was I wanted to focus on this idea of the past, the present, and the future, and really think about where we've come from where we are and where we're going and how that relates to other facets of life, culture, um, religion, definitely, and philosophy, and also, again, in the physical way, actually exploring. Uh, so that was sort of the general theme that I wanted to take, uh, sort of handle this conversation. Um, and then I also had, I've also been thinking recently, it's been a very busy time for myself, um, I'm writing a dictionary at the moment. It's the first dictionary of astronism. Uh, as you'll know, I'm, I'm the founder of astronism and I'm, it's a very big time for astronism at the moment because we're coming at, towards the end of, a, of, a, of, a, of an era really for us uh, within the community that I'm a part of um, because I founded astronism eight years ago and I just see it as moving, we're moving into another era. We're, we're moving away from sort of the foundations. We've got the foundations of what we believe and what we are philosophical positions. And, and the majority of that stuff is set now. And we're, we're moving into a sort of an, an what we call an establishment phase. So um, looking at how do we, how do we communicate these ideas to the world? And part of this is having conversations with, for example, yourself and others like doing the, the, this series. Um, but also it's, it's also how do we interact with other groups in the world as well? 
Um, so it's a, it's a very big time for us. And, um, and we're, I'm doing this dictionary um, and it's gonna include, it's at the moment 600 pages long, this dictionary, mm -hmm. it's, it's quite extensive. There's thousands of terms in there and it's gonna be called the Dictionary of Astronism. Um, and the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm having a lot of um, conversations, sort of private conversations with people um, at the moment. And one of these things that seems to be coming up all the time is distractions. And I really like this, this, this sort of topic of distractions because um, distractions of, of the world, distractions of pretty much anything that's taking our focus away from space exploration and you know the astronomical world, the, the space, outer space. Um, and I just felt like there's, 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 there's so many distractions and we're focusing on things that really, <laughs> you know, don't matter. And I, and I think as well, um, this pandemic has also shown that, hasn't it, as, as to what really matters, you know, in life. And in, I think it's made a lot of people um, realize that, um, that, that there are things in life that, that are so, so fundamental. You know, there's the fundamental things and then there's the trivial things in life. And uh, something like a pandemic or a war or something like, for example, the, the space, the, the moon landing in the 60s, you know, that was such a momentous event and it made people think about life in a new way. As you were talking, that that you you're you're talking about seeing life in a new way, and what I want to try and, and and sort of grasp, I suppose, is I don't know what is what is a way that we can um, communicate that that space exploration really is is the future, I suppose, because I, I I speak to a lot of people and they they don't really see it. I mean, there's always going to be people who don't understand it, who don't, you know, they just don't get it. They don't see why we need to go up there. They don't see what the importance is, you know, and it's kind of hard to speak to those people because they, well, they'll say things like, well, why, why does that matter? Why, why are we so concerned about what's going on up there? Why don't we focus on what's going on down here instead? And I don't know, I think it's a philosophical position to take. You know, are you gonna focus on what's here or are you gonna focus on what's up there? Um, and I don't, I don't what, what's your opinion on, on that sort of, these distractions of the world, the, 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 the great things, you know, music and culture and the noise of the world. But I don't know, I suppose what I'm trying to say is that the essence of astronism because everyone's always asking me, what is astronism? What is astronism? They're always <laughs> asking me, what is it? Well, it is a relationship with outer space, fundamentally. It is a relationship with the astronomical world. It is that bond between the self and everything that is above us. Um, and really, I always feel the most connected when I go stargazing and I'm in a remote place and I'm quiet. There's no, there's no light pollution. There's no phones, technology um, or anything like that. 
And I don't know, have you ever experienced that? Do you kind of get what I'm talking about or? <laughs> yeah. I get it. Um, There's a lot there. very, very, very well. Yeah. I see your point. Uh, well, let me, this is actually first, you mentioned a couple of times uh, uh, the distraction of the world. Mm. I think that uh, distracts us from all these uh, beautiful, ethereal, high-level things. But well, um, perhaps that's not entirely fair to many people, okay. because uh, many people cannot afford to consider the world as a distraction. I can afford it because uh, I can afford it because. Uh, I don't have to work 18 hours a day to put food on the table for my family. Yeah. Mm, but, uh, you know, for uh, most people in the world, it is not so. Mm. And uh, the first uh, part of the answer that we are both uh, looking for yeah. is, uh, I think, acknowledging this fact. Now, mm. going back to the 60s, what uh, most people don't realize is that uh, uh, there was no such overwhelming enthusiasm for space exploration in the 60s. Mm -hmm. On the average, people were more interested than now, I think. Yeah. But uh, even then, there were a lot of people who questioned uh, the... Politics. goodness uh, of uh, spending all that money in space when there are so many things to do here on earth yes in 1969 there were uh, massive uh, uh, marches and manifestations um, against all this so it will it is not like in the 60s everyone was in love with space exploration and uh, now they have uh, stopped being in love. This has been a much more uh, uh, gradual thing. And uh, we must acknowledge, I believe, that life is still hard for uh, very many people, too many people. Life is still hard for the majority of people on this planet. Mm. Now, um, I'm not usually very optimistic when it uh, comes uh, to the short-term future of the next few years and uh, the next few decades. I don't think too many good things will happen, and I do think that many bad things will continue to happen. I mentioned 2001. We all wanted it to be the year uh, pictured by Arthur C. Clarke and Stanley Kubrick in the film, but we all remember what happened in uh, 2001. What was the main event in 2001? It was not finding an uh, alien artifact on the moon. Mm -hmm. It was uh, September 11. Mm -hmm. And that shows that uh, even if we are optimistic and even if things do improve very slowly, we cannot really count on uh, exponential improvement of things. These uh, things just don't happen. 
So I'm not too optimistic on what will happen in the rest of the decade in the, the next few decades. Okay, maybe we'll see people walking on the moon by the end of this decade, but I think uh, we will not have uh, fully conquered the cancer yet. The cancer will still kill. Uh, I hope this pandemic will be over, but perhaps uh, there will be other pandemics and uh, other health risks. We will not have world peace by the end of this decade. Mm, I think we will see some small improvement, but um, I don't think things will improve that much uh, that fast. Yeah. That may be just because I'm much older than you, so I'm... Uh, I have seen many things happening and I have seen many good expectations not being met by reality. Yeah. So perhaps the right attitude may be something halfway between my, uh, uh, my attitude and yours. But this is what I think. So having said that, why is space so important and what is the overall vision that we should uh, try to communicate to people. Yeah. Uh, while I'm not optimistic on uh, what will happen uh, in the next few years and decades, I am extremely optimistic on uh, what will happen in the very long term. Yeah. I am uh, very sympathetic to a philosophical, a philosophical school, the school of uh, Russian cosmists, yeah. uh, a bunch of uh, very uh, interesting people who wrote uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century. And the vision of Nikolai Fyodorov, the founder of Russian cosmism, is that uh, eventually, humans will uh, completely master the universe Mm. and resurrect the dead. Mm. Not uh, next year, not in 10 years, not in in 100 years. Uh, I think uh, it will take a hell of a lot more time than that. But I think eventually, who knows when, maybe in a few thousands of years, maybe in a few millions of years, we, our descendants, whatever humanity will have become by that uh, time, will acquire godlike powers and sufficient uh, knowledge to re-engineer the universe and resurrect the dead. Uh, So that's a vision of heaven. And I think our uh, first uh, baby steps in outer space very cautious, very timid steps. We, I don't really hope to see that much happening in the rest of my lifetime. But these baby steps are the first step up a ladder that goes to heaven. And I think expanding into our space, first in this solar system and then beyond is really the cosmic destiny of our species. Yeah. It's something that we can't not do. Yeah. So this is uh, my overall philosophy when it comes to space. Well, of course, I am as excited 
as the next guys on things like you know this, uh, SpaceX launches, uh, future moon missions, uh, robotic uh, probes. I'm uh, a scientist and an engineer by training. I can I can't not be fascinated by these things. Yeah, and uh, also think there would be a lot of uh, benefits coming from outer space. Yeah. And sooner or later, it will be possible to make a lot of money out there. So these are all interesting things. These are all very good things. I'm happy that all these things are happening, but perhaps this is not the ultimate reason that I have in mind. I try to concede a tend to consider all these things as instrumental. And we mean uh, we need to find ways to make money in space because that is instrumental to continuing the expansion uh, towards space. Um, and, uh, you know, basically that's it. Now, when it comes to how to communicate this vision to the rest of the people i'm afraid i i'm afraid that i don't have an answer to you i'm looking for the answer i would i would very much like yeah. to know the answer to that questions uh there are things that uh, we have we must uh, continue to do and one of course is uh, selling space to the skeptics now i cannot ask everyone to share my philosophical outlook yeah. as a matter of fact most people don't mm -hmm. so to them the only thing we can do is to stress the practical utility mm -hmm. of space now yeah. let's uh, go back uh, a few decades when they were starting to talk about uh, satellites in lower orbit uh, perhaps some people thought all that was a waste of time, the waste of money. But now our life has been completely revolutionized by the applications of uh, satellites uh, in uh, uh, lower orbit. Uh, there is, uh, you know, we have of course. Uh, telecommunication, phone calls, a lot of internet uh, traffic goes through satellite links. We have Earth observation, yeah. which is extremely useful and has both civilian and uh, military application. Mm. And we have uh, GPS-like uh, positioning satellites. Now, there is a very good book that I have read uh, recently. It's by British journalist uh, Sarah Kradas, the book is called Look Up. Yeah. I recommend it because it's the best recent book on space that I have read. It's a very short book. You can read it in a few hours. And yeah. it makes you think about a lot of interesting things. Like, for example, our, uh, our uh, uh, smartphone is, uh, uh, is our link to space. Yeah. It, it, is our link to satellites in lower orbit that make it uh, possible to do many things that uh, 
we have come to depend on, like using uh, a ways to find your way and so many other things that we simply could not have without these uh, satellites that many people did not take seriously a few decades ago. And I'm, uh, oh, and I am uh, persuaded that uh, there will be uh, also world-changing application mm. of space technology and space expansion beyond uh, uh, low Earth orbit. Uh, for, uh, for example, if uh, nuclear fusion here on Earth becomes a commercial reality, if the future uh, uh, based nuclear fusion technologies will have to use uh, uh, helium-3, and if there is really a lot of helium-3 to be mined on the moon, then the three things will come together and it will be a huge explosion of the of the market of uh, 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 lunar mining this is one uh, possible application if this application doesn't work for example if it uh, turns out that the best technologies for commercial nuclear fusion don't have to involve helium 3 then i'm sure there will be other things that we can do in space and will uh, revolutionize life on Earth. And the outcome of this revolution will be good. So these are the kind of things that we need to be telling people. Yes. Those who are uh, a skeptic of our long-term philosophical outlook. Another very important argument, I think, has to do with uh, the protection of the environment on Earth. Uh, now, this is a, seen as a top priority everywhere. Yes. And I think there is only one viable long-term solution that doesn't require uh, degrading the standard of life that we have used to. And uh, that solution is... Uh, uh, the gradual uh, uh, offshoring of heavy industry uh, far from the earth in outer space. That thing alone would do a lot to improve uh, the quality on the environment here on earth. And since this today is seen as uh, a uh, very important priority this is one of the things that we should be insisting on mm, yes and, and another utility of space as well i suppose um yes and um just as you were talking then i was i was thinking about the communication side and how to to express the this vision to people um i think the majority the mass people who aren't really involved in space like we are in in sort of the th either in the sort of philosophical side or the practical side i think the majority of people have a positive outlook on space um i've not come across many people who are very negative about space 
um maybe perhaps you have but i i haven't come across many negative people but i have come across a lot of people who just don't see how that connects to them as an, an individual and a lot of the times it actually doesn't connect to them as an individual uh if we're outside of astronism within astronism it, we would say that it does because we have certain principles that, that suggest that it does have connection to the individual but i suppose space exploration by its nature is very collectivistic isn't it it's more about the greater good type of idea you know um the work that that the astronauts and the the scientists are doing now will be will be reaped in you know a hundred or maybe even a thousand years time by people that we don't even know about yet but they're doing it for the collective they're not doing it for the individual but the problem is is that a lot of humans are more about the individual than the collective. It's part of our Western culture. I think this is why China is doing so well so quickly in terms of space, because they do things as a collective. They do. It's not about the individual person. It's about the nation. And this is what we have to be thinking about when we're approaching space exploration. I was talking to this. Uh, I was talking about this to Howard and, and talking about um, how you know, whether we should be approaching space as individual nations or should we be approaching space as a collective humanity? Uh, <laughs> this is something that is continually on my mind. Right, uh, this is uh, uh, something know. on which I think uh, um, I'm going to tell you something different than Howard. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, you know, uh, staying on the China thing, yeah. um, I'm not entirely sure that uh, the uh, the average uh, Chinese see things your way. Okay. From a, uh, from our point of view, I mean, they're uh, a nice uh, collective where everyone does things for the common good. Mm. Uh, now, I have never been to China myself. So. Okay. But, um, you know, I'm pretty much sure that if I go to China tomorrow and start talking to people on the road, um, that they don't see things their way. It's much more likely, I think, that uh, they see Chinese uh, collectivism as uh, an imposition from the state. And uh, I know a few things about that because I live in Eastern Europe. I live in Budapest. Yeah. I'm not from here. I was born in Italy, but uh, I married the Hungarian, and uh, we have been uh, moving around a lot and living a lot of uh, living in a lot of places until a few years ago we decided to establish our home base here. Thing is, uh, talking to people here, I realize that uh, the collectivist outlook of Eastern Europeans of a few decades ago that is really that is a really a urban legend. I mean they hated that. Most of them hated that. That's why I think that most of the Chinese hate that now. now on the other hand, Chinese uh, China is a very authoritarian state. And uh, if you are a Chinese, you really want to think uh, twice before 
doing or saying anything that goes against uh, the official uh, party line. Because, you know, if you do, uh, some bad things could happen to you. Yeah. Uh, perhaps much more than here. Yeah. So this is about China. Now, about whether it is better to pursue space expansion as individual nations or as uh, a world collective. Now, I don't remember that part of the interview with Howard, but I guess that Howard might have uh, told you that we should do that uh, as uh, citizens of the world. Yeah. Is that so? Yes. Right. And I'm telling you, no. Why? <laughs> uh, no, I like very, I like very much the idea in theory. Yes. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be good? Of course, <laughs> it would be good. In theory. Yes. Now, what happens in practice? Okay, I think there is, a, there is a world government. Mm. If the government is good, then everyone is happy. Yeah. Everyone is happy and everyone is healthy and everyone is educated. Then we go to space, we establish uh, cities on the moon and Mars and all that is done yeah. under the benevolent uh, management of the world government. So if the world government is good, then everything is good. But what happens if the world government is not good? And uh, we know because history shows that uh, a country, any country, can have a dramatic change of government in only a few years. We have seen many examples in history. If that happens to a world government, then you cannot escape anywhere. Now, if you are unhappy in your country, you can move here. Well, now after uh, Brexit, perhaps is a little bit more difficult, but if you really want, you can. Yeah. If I really want, I can move to your country. Yeah. In, if a world government goes bad, we cannot move anywhere. Yeah. We cannot even move to space because anything that happens in space will be owned by the same world government. So if you ask me, do you want a world government? And the more idealistic and naive uh, part of me would like to say yes. But, uh, you know, the more experienced and uh, practical part of me says no, yeah. uh, not yet. We are not ready yet. Live well enough alone. Mm. Let's continue like that. Let's continue as many nations for some time at least and then we'll see what happens yeah yeah and i think what we're talking about here really is sort of individualism kind of creeping in isn't it that sort of that tendency of human nature really to um to move away from this idea of the collective and the space exploration and doing things for the greater good and instead moving to the greater of the self so that's basically what we're talking about, isn't it? In terms of politicians, whether they begin to become corrupt. Um, yeah, I suppose in mine and Howard's theory of sort of this, you know, 
this ideal government that we're talking about, maybe, um, you know, we're, we're bypassing this sort of, we're presuming that humanity will get on board with our vision of space exploration and that everyone will be on the same page uh, as, as we are in terms of, you know, doing things for space exploration. But of course, there's always going to be people who aren't doing it for, for you know, the common good and they're doing it for mm -hmm. uh, the good of themselves. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you in that respect in terms of the realistic nature of, of, of humanity. Um, but I just wanted to go back to a little bit about the individual uh, idea in terms of um, making space relevant to the individual because that's something really important in aspect exactly. uh, and, and and this again um, everyone people ask me well what's the point of astronomism what why are you doing this why is it come about now well the reason why I think it has is because I, I think that it's come about now to place humanity um, or to to reposition humanity in, I suppose in a way this is a very ambitious <laughs> goal, of course, but it's to reposition humanity um, in a way that that looks at the astronomical world, looks at outer space as connected to us. I think we've I think we've become disconnected. Um, there's this common thread, this common theme throughout religion um, and philosophy as well, where nature is um, always against technology and the sort of butting heads. We see this in films. Uh, you can look at Star Wars. That's an example of how nature is seen as sort of butting heads with the with the evil that is technology. And technology is shown to be evil in 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 Star Wars, for example. Um, so, and there's a lot of themes of that, and and I think that's. In, that's sort of within astronism as well. We're sort of, we love technology. And again, it's, it's like you were saying, you know, technology and uh, money and sort of material aspects of space exploration are important for the practical exploration of space. But I suppose what astronism is trying to, to bring it back to is there is a spiritual existential connection between humanity and outer space irrelevant of technology even take technology out of it because if you go back to um we have a, a belief in astronism called the scope of man and basically what that what that's saying is it's talking about the moment that humanity's relationship with the cosmos began that moment and um in my work that I'm doing now, um, I'm trying to pinpoint when that happened. I'm trying to pinpoint what was the moment that we began to have a relationship. We began to look up at the stars and 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 relate that to ourselves and connect on a on an existential level um, to understand that they weren't just there because um, they're just there. They're there for a reason, and that we are connected to them. And I've I've traced this back to the Upper Paleolithic, uh, the, the prehistoric Stone Age. Um, and we call it the scope of man because the scope that I'm talking about is an opportunity to 
understand what's going on up there. So it's it's that opportunity, it's that understanding, it's that um, that scope, that that vision to be able to see that. Um, and what I see that is is that moment was the beginning of this relationship, and that relationship has continued through to today. That it, it's been it's been damaged. It's been uh, we, we've 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 done a lot of things to focus on ourselves. You could say Christianity is, is an example of that. For example, when um, the prehistoric people looked up at the stars, they saw gods. They saw the stars as gods, as controlling their lives. Uh, and then a shift seemed to have happened where um, in Egyptian times, they brought the stars back down to them and they said, well, no, it's, I'm the gods, you know, and, um, and the stars, I'm controlling the stars and I'm in control of everything. And, and we, and what I see the, the culmination of that was Christianity, the idea that God became man. I mean, that's just so anthropocentric, isn't it? That's placing us as above the stars, above heaven in a way because we're saying that it's all about us here um that actually we are chosen and that we became god in a way um and that we have a connection in that in that sense um to god because we are god if you, if you get what i'm saying but what, I, what i'm trying to say is is that, that this relationship this relationship has continued throughout history and that those people in the prehistoric times they had such a purity. They sort of had such a pure understanding. They used the stars for navigation. They used the stars for agriculture. Um, they used the stars for worship uh, and divination as well. Uh, and that's where obviously astrology came from as well from that. Um, and I suppose that's what astronism is trying to do. It's trying to say, look, there's this relationship that we have with the stars uh, and that we need to get back to that and we need to understand that relationship and build on that in order to become, and this is where astronism kind of um, intersects with Russian cosmism because I, I agree with you when we're talking about, um, you know, humanity reaching this higher level of, of being. Um, I believe that that will be achieved through the astronomical world through outer space. Um, I don't think we can do it any other way. I think it has to be, I think it's up there. I think the answers are up there. I think whatever is the ultimate thing in existence, God, for example, or, or whatever you want to call it, the stars are the intermediary. The stars are the, the medium between us and the ultimate and the, and the stars are here. Um, and so I suppose what I'm trying to say is, is that what I'm trying to, to galvanize in people is this understanding that, that we have that connection and that each individual has that connection. So humanity has the connection as a whole, but each individual has that connection. We can see that with all the great philosophers. You can see that with, um, Nicola, uh, the founder of, of Cosmism himself, he had, a particular connection to the stars, a particular connection to outer space that allowed him then to, to think up all these brilliant ideas that we, that we know and love today. Um, and so again, 
we can see that each person, and you have a connection with the stars, I do. Um, what I'm trying to do is galvanize that for the individual and for the collective. So it's trying to balance really, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a balancing game between the individual, satisfying the individual needs, um, discussing, for example, um, what will happen after death and what will happen to you as an individual um, based on your actions and what you do. And then also balancing that with what will happen to humanity as a whole. And it's just sort of this balancing game all the time between satisfying the individual needs whilst also satisfying the humanity, the collective needs. Um, and again, nature and technology are also, again, pulling uh, from side to side uh, this, this thing, um, this sort of task, if you will. Um, but essentially that's what astronism is and it's, it's trying to do that <laughs> um, and I see it as an extension of astrology, I see it as an extension of cosmism, I see it as an extension of star worship which was the original religion, the original um, belief system and trying to get back to that, trying to get, get away from just thinking about ourselves but place the cosmos at the center. Um, we've seen that in history where uh, there's been pushback against, against this cosmocentricity, this cosmocentrism with, with the church. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike the church at all, but you can see with, um, I don't know if you know Giordano Bruno, who they, um, they burned at the stake for his ideas about cosmic pluralism. And, and extraterrestrial or, or life and the, the, the vastness of worlds idea. Um, there's been this pushback all the time yes. about, about no, um, we are the most important thing. Humans are the most important thing. God is here, God came here and we are the most important thing. In astronism, it's not, it's we are important in the sense that we are important to ourselves. But if you go outside of this solar system, or if you go outside of this galaxy, we don't exist. We don't exist. Because yet. you could look yet. at the galaxy. We don't exist yet. Well, yet, of course. Yeah. Well, well, this is this is the path. This is the journey that we've got to go on. This is the that that Fyodorov's talked about. He he talked about that journey to a higher state. And again, this is what we believe as well in astronism is, is that we can get to that. Going to take thousands of years of course um but that we will get to that but we have to understand this relationship between ourselves as an individual and ourselves as a collective in relation to the astronomical world above um yes. and and again for me my life my, the purpose of my life is to master that relationship on a mystical level so I do practices that are, that are uh, astral meditation, um, you know, uh, I've had ecstasies and, 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 and inspirations and I've written these down and I've, I've, I've explored these and I'm continuing to explore the mystical side, but also the intellectual side, the physical. I hope to be able to one day go into space. I hope whether I will be able to, I don't know, but um you know you could look at the overview effect with that i'm not 
have you heard of the overview effect in terms of, of yeah of course so you, you know about this you know the idea that astronauts see the world see life see their their place in the universe in a much more in a in a new way after they have gone up to space of course that's going to happen because when you have a new perspective on something it, of course that's going to shift how you understand the world um and um you know but that's just the, i just wanted to get it across because i think some people they they're wondering what astronism is they're seeing this word and they're wondering what it is and I'm just trying to do my best in, in trying to explain <laughs> what it is. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, oh. I have an advice for you. Yes. I, mean, I, uh, I have taken a look at your website and I have been reading uh, many of your writing. I have in, uh, even uh, taken a look at your dissertation, which I think you have uh, recently defended. And I see that you are uh, trying to do a lot of things and you have said uh, for yourself uh, enough work for a lifetime and even more yeah. what i would suggest is that besides doing that you should also have something very simple maybe a document of uh, a few pages or uh, an elevator pitch of a couple of minutes yeah. that uh, captures somehow the real essence the core of what you're trying to say yeah. and use that as a first introduction yeah. to your ideas yes uh, then those who are not interested will forget but they would forget anyway <laughs> and those who are interested will be motivated to find out more. And at that time, you start saying a lot of things, but I think you should start saying a few things. Yes. <laughs> uh, now, let's uh, talk of some of the points that you have made. Now, you have said something that I like very much, which is that whatever the ultimate reality is, whatever the meaning of the cosmos is, yes. the stars are uh, an intermediary between us and that ultimate reality. I like that and I agree with that very much. And as you correctly say, uh, the first uh, religions were uh, very much uh, centered on uh, worshiping the stars. Yeah. And if we could reintroduce that, into some of uh, today's religions, either established religions or uh, new religions, mm. would be something good. Now, let me come, uh, before making my next point, let me come, lest I forget, to your uh, criticism of the church. Mm. Now, of course, uh, in many respects, you are correct and uh, the place where uh, Giordano Bruno was uh, uh, burned on the stake in the year 1600. Mm -hmm. That place is uh, Campo dei Fiori in Rome. Mm -hmm. It's also one of uh, my favorite places in, in the town and the stadium 
to Giordano Bruno is dead. So yes, he was burned, but uh, today he has a statue and uh, that statue was uh, put there with uh, at least the non-opposition from the church. Yeah. And the point that I'm making is that, you know, the church is a big organization. Of course. It's a big uh, group of people. And if you take any group of people big enough, there is going to be some really great people, some uh, good people, there are going to be some uh, not so good people that will be some assholes in any organization, the church, a political party, a sports fan club, yeah. anywhere. We find assholes anywhere. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, these people tend to rise to positions of power, mm -hmm. uh, which is not surprising because uh, that is what they think about. Yeah, power. Mm, I mean, I could never be a politician or a dictator. I'm just not interested enough. <laughs> Some people are, and they are very uh, reckless in their pursuit of money and uh, power, and they do victimize other people. That happens everywhere. Not only in the Christian church, mm. it happens in every religion, it happens in uh, every political party everywhere. But you know, uh, the church is big. There are some bad things and there are some good things as well. In particular, I'd like to call your attention on the Christian Transhumanist Association. Uh, did you hear of them? Yes, I did. Now, if you look, at that. If you look at the website, I think you'll find a lot to like. Yeah. Both the Christian Transhumanist Association and the uh, Mormon Transhumanist Association. Yeah. These are the main two religious transhumanist associations. I'm a member of both. And uh, you know, just go and uh, Take a look at uh, their websites, and yeah. uh, I think you, uh, I think you like what you see. Yeah, well. Oh. Coming to an important point, I mean, space. Okay, all is good, but what is in space for me? Yeah, that's the question most people ask. Yeah. Mm, one of my answer is that well, uh, there is nothing for me in space because I will never go to space. I mean, you said that you would like to go to space. And I hope you will. Uh, you are what, 22, 23? Yeah, 22. Okay, I hope you will. <laughs> but it's very sure that I won't. Okay. <laughs> so I'm a space cadet who will never be. When I go to space. So uh, yeah. what is in space for me? Not going to space because I will not go. But there are still things. Mm, no, one is that uh, sense of unity with the universe that you have mentioned. And I, like uh, many people, when I go out and look at the stars, I feel like a small part of a big thing. And that makes me happy. Yeah. Another is that, you know, even if I will not see myself, for example, a future 
interplanetary civilization, some of uh, our descendants will have just watched the, the have just uh, finished watching uh, the last season of The Expanse. Yeah. I was uh, watching that half an, uh, half an hour before I started talking to you. That's a vision of uh, a future interplanetary humanity living uh, all over the solar system and now beyond. Yeah. It is situated, I think, is half of the 23rd century. Mm. Uh, we will not be alive at that time. But you know, I'm still happy because maybe my grandchildren will. And maybe my grandchildren will uh, you know, live yeah. in a wonderful world. It's not going to be a utopia. It's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Okay, but I still won't go there. Now, let's go back to the start. Yeah. Mm, what happens after that? Have you read the essay by... William Sims Bambridge called Religion for a Galactic Civilization. No, I've not read that. No. no. Okay, I will uh, send you the link and uh, you definitely want to read that. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, think of uh, the things that will happen mm. in the next few thousands of years, shall we? Yeah. And at the end, I'll get back to what will happen to us, what happens to you, yeah. what will happen to me after that. Yeah. Uh, and this is a whole book about that. Yeah. But, uh, let me try to compress it in a few minutes. Yeah. And uh, let's look at uh, the lessons from the history of science. Yeah. And uh, an important lesson is that, you know, we always had the good uh, math mathematical models of uh, physical reality, yeah. which seemed uh, good at that time. Mm -hmm. But what has always happened is that as soon as we have developed uh, the technology to experiment, with extreme conditions beyond the range of applicability of existing mathematical models, we have always found something new. <laughs> we have always had to abandon the old mathematical models yeah. and find new ones. Yeah. And uh, I bet money on this because that's, will, uh, that's what always happened. I don't believe that we will ever have a theory of everything, a simple theory that fits on a t-shirt, you know, like this and explains it. Yeah. There will be always more and more things. As uh, William Shakespeare said, there are more things in heaven and earth that are contemplated by our philosophy. They think that will remain true forever. On the other hand, we will uh, continue to learn new things. Yeah. At some point, we will be able to go to the stars. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which technologies will uh, enable us to go to the stars efficiently, mm -hmm. but uh, I think 
is a safe bet that uh, these new space flight technologies will have uh, something to do with understanding quantum physics much better than uh, our current understanding. Okay, so we will understand quantum physics uh, some uh, uh, better and start moving out to the stars. And the universe itself will be a huge laboratory where we will be able to experiment with more and more extreme conditions. Now, we know of uh, places in the universe with really extreme conditions, and this place, these uh, places are uh, uh, black holes. Yeah. The closest black holes, I believe, uh, is about a thousand light years. Yeah. So at some point, our uh, descendants will uh, go near a black hole. They will start experimenting with uh, what happens to matter, energy, and space-time itself near a black hole. And recalling the, hist uh, the history of science, yeah. I'm 100% sure that at that point, they will uh, find out that uh, their mathematical models of quantum reality are incomplete mm. and have to be revised in yeah. view of what they have uh, learned yeah. experimenting with black holes and so on and so on. So we will need a better understanding of quantum physics than we have now to go to the stars. But once we are among the stars, we will understand the physics of matter, energy, space-time at both very large and very small scales, much better. And we will continue to learn. Uh, perhaps we will not uh, uh, be alone. We will be able to go to a galactic school and uh, learn by all the civilization that have uh, already advanced much beyond us. Yes. What is the end point of this process? I think a good case can be made that uh, the, uh, the end point of uh, the process will be that uh, humans will acquire uh, godlike uh, capabilities and eventually they will achieve the dream of Nikolai Fyodorov to resurrect all dead of the past. Uh, and, you know, that is not unrelated to you. That is very related to you. Mm. Because if you will be resurrected, resurrected in uh, a ways that are analogous and almost identical to the promise of all religions that uh, promise resurrection, that will be a direct uh, consequence of the fact that we are starting to expand to the planets and the stars now. Mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, the end point yes. of what I like 
to call uh, the uh, sacred road to the stars. Mm. The end point of the journey is heaven itself. Yeah. This is a point that uh, Bill uh, Bandridge uh, makes in his, uh, I say, religions for uh, a galactic civilization. You do find uh, plenty of that in my book as well. And you know, this is, this could be an extremely powerful message if we find uh, the way to formulate it well mm. in a way that most people can relate to. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm good enough for that. Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough to find a really compelling way of conveying this uh, concept yeah. to everyone, to people of all walks of life, mm -hmm. in a way that is uh, uh, intellectually believable, emotionally compelling, and entertaining as well. I hope someone will be able to. Maybe that someone could be you. Because I think uh, our ideas, and they say our ideas because, you know, I think there is a big overlap yes. between uh, my set of ideas and yours. I think our ideas are important because uh, they can uh, give hope to people. Yeah. Uh, we can give hope to people. We can give happiness to people. We can give a sense of meaning to people. We can give a lot of good things to people if we can find uh, a good way to persuade people to listen to us initially for a few minutes yeah. only, and then more. And uh, this uh, is uh, an ongoing uh, work. I don't have the final answer on, to the question how to do that, but I'm still working on it. Yeah, and I think um, that was interesting because I get a quite, I get sort of, I get in what I do. So obviously, astronism is an ism, so it's a belief system. It is a religion. It is a philosophy. It's lots of different things, uh, but it is an ism, and that means that it's going to get criticism from people who, you know. Um, immediately presume that it's trying to control, it's trying to, it's like a cult, for example, and, you know, things like that. Uh, but it was interesting about what uh, Howard said to me when I last spoke to him about, about that. And um, he, I was saying that, of course, I want to make astronism into, you know, this, this great system of thought and 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 to for it to be this, this amazing thing that i know that it has the potential to be just like cosmism is and other similar movements uh, but he said but when you die you know someone else might take over and make it into something that you don't want it to become and i said well yeah maybe but i've got to take that i've got to take that chance you know i've got to i've got to put the foundation happened uh, you know exactly the same thing happened to jesus christ happened to <laughs> muhammad happened to the buddha uh, if that happens to you i think you will be in good company 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's just an example of, of that. But, um, you know, I, I've got to put my, I've, I've put my faith in the stars and I put my faith in, hu in humanity. Yeah. And I put my faith in, in destiny and, and, the, and, and the connection that I'm talking about between ourselves and outer space. But I also put my faith in astronism as well as a, as a, as a belief system. I also put my faith in cosmism as well. Um, you know, these systems that we create to understand and provide meaning. Uh, and and what, what I really like the idea of is a truth-seeking system. I, I quite like that. We're, we're seeking truth. We are explaining, we are exploring, um, and we're seeking as well. Um, but I suppose... I think, and this is another point as well, uh, that this is why I do think astronism, if it's going to become this system that I, that I want it to become, if, if it's going to fulfill the things that we're talking about, um, whether, it, whether it's called astronism or another name or whether it's called cosmism, um, I think it has to be organized. I think it has to be, um, I, when I say organized, what I imply by that is that it has to involve the everyday person. Uh, we have to galvanize this. And like you said, you know, you've got to simplify it in order to do that. And then once you simplify it, people will come in and they'll, they'll, they'll accept it and understand it. Um, but I think it has to be organized. And Howard, when I was speaking to him, he was a little bit like, Ooh, I don't know about that. Organized. It's like organized religion, organized philosophy um he wasn't too sure about about that but uh i i do believe that i believe it has to be an organized effort i don't think i don't like things that are just left i'm that type of person i don't like it when <laughs> when someone says something like well it'll sort itself out i don't like that because i like to know that there is um that, that we're on the road, that, that we're on the path, that, that things are being organized and, and, and sort of um, coordinated is a good word, isn't it? Uh, to, to achieving this, this goal. So yes, I, d I do believe that astronism has to be an organized system. I think it has to have a goal. I think it has to have um, meaning for people individually and collectively. And yes, I think, well, the resurrection thing is something that's not really part of astronism at this very moment in time, just because it's not my um, theory. It's, it's, the, it's a cosmist theory, really. And maybe this is where we see the, the interaction between these two systems, which is really fascinating. Um, but, you know, the, the resurrection, I suppose, is, is kind of, it's, it's connected to other systems, isn't it? It's, 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 it's connected to this idea of immortality and, and bringing it back to um, the, the, the presumption that, that humans seek immortality, that, that humans um, want immortality. Um, I suppose in astronism, we wouldn't really say that because what we would say is that we have this, this window. We're a little bit more urgent, you could argue, at this stage in our thinking, um, in the sense that um, 
we, we say that the, 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 there's this window that we have as individuals um, that we have to do the most we possibly can do. And then once that's, once that's done, that's done at this stage. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of conversations going on it's 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 there's a lot of people that i know are involved in these conversations uh, one of them is yourself of course but there's 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 lots of people i'm involved with and and astronism's changing all the time um for example i'm doing this dictionary at the moment so this dictionary is is a compilation of everything that's part of astronism all the terms all of the ideas beliefs practices and what I'm trying to do is provide very succinct, very um, brief definitions for each aspect of this. Um, those things will change in, you know, five, 10 years time. There might be totally different approaches to those same um, ideas and beliefs. But I suppose the fundamental is that there is this connection between ourselves and the astronomical world, which is not what you see in other religions, is it? Because I don't see that in other, I don't see that in sort of Christianity. I don't see that in Judaism. I don't see that in some other faiths. Um, maybe in Islam, there might be something to do with that. Um, but I like it to be specific. I want it to be themed on space. You know, I want it to be themed on the astronomical and the cosmic. Um, that's just my goal. No. <laughs> yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, you can find uh, all these things, I think, in all yeah. religions. Yeah, they're all. Yeah. Uh, they are yeah. not uh, given center stage. Yes. In uh, yeah. Christianity or uh, yeah. Islam, uh, Mormonism, Hinduism. Uh, they are not given center stage, but they are there. Yeah, you know, what is given center stage in any philosophical movement is something that can change. Yes. So that, uh, you know, I think something good can come from the interaction yeah. with uh, existing belief systems. Yeah. Uh, now, you said that uh, you want astronism to be organized. Yeah. Mm, and I think you were right. Mm. I say that uh, even if uh, organization uh, is not my strong suite, I try to prefer very disorganized things. <laughs> but you know, that depends on individual temperament. Yeah. And uh, I see that uh, most of the people who do really big things are control freaks. <laughs> and I say that, uh, I'm not a control freak myself because I'm not, I'm just not interested enough. Yeah. But if there is uh, some control freakery in you, then I think you can put it uh, to a good use. Mm -hmm. Because uh, yes, organization is good. Yeah, and I think I think it's not it's not sort of a control freak thing as in I care about what each individual person does morally in terms of like um I don't know same sex relationships or you know things like that. I, I'm not interested in that. What I am interested in the organization of is this movement 
towards um, space. And, the, and that's what I'm focused on the organization of. Um, we don't need things to be organized in other ways, but we need things organizing in this way. For example, um, you know, before now there was, yeah, there was the, you've got aspects of these religions include stars and, 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 and these subtle themes because obviously the first religion was the worship of the stars. So it's bound to have trickled in somehow into these other religions. But yeah, there isn't one right now um, that is doing what, what astronism is doing. I feel just from what I know at this moment in time, I think cosmism could do that definitely, but I don't know if um, that's what cosmism wants to do. I don't think it's, it's not organized in the same way. Um, I don't think that was his goal in a way. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not organized at all. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, not. Cosmism, uh, you know, is a portmanteau name used yeah. to refer to different thinkers who did yeah. not uh, all say the same things. Now, if yeah. you read the standard uh, reference uh, text on uh, Russian Cosmism, who is, uh, which is a book by George Yang, called the Russian Cosmists. You say that there were many people saying many different things. And I think you would find that uh, the ideas of some of these people, not all, but some, do resonate very strongly with yours. Yes, yeah. I think you will find that. Yes, and there's bound to be, uh, because yeah, there are some new things in astronism. There's a lot of new things in astronism. There's a lot of original things. There's also a film. Uh, yeah. Watch that film. I, uh, last time I looked for it, I found it on YouTube. Yeah. It's by George Carey, C-A-R-E-Y. He's yeah. a British filmmaker. And it's called The Knocking on Heaven's Door. Okay, yes. Yeah. It's about Russian cosmos and uh, it's a very good film. And, Again, I think uh, you'll find many ideas that do resonate with yours. Yes. Um, and look, uh, look for the part of the film where someone describes the cosmic uh, uh, garden yes. that is uh, near uh, the place where Nikolai Fyodorov lived. Yes. Yeah. And um, I'm going to do more. I'm, I'm going to, as time goes on, I'm going to do more. Uh, comparison as well between sort of astronism and also um, the various different uh, themes within cosmism and the various different approaches and um, beliefs and theories of cosmism. So, I, you know, it, it just takes time. It just takes time to continue. And uh, this is why I say that we're moving into a new, a new era for us, really. Um, you know, it, we're moving into an era now where we're not focusing on ourselves as much as in we're not focusing on what we what we think or we're focusing on how what we think relates to other people and how that interaction uh, is taking place. Um, but it's like, for example, um, I was talking to Adriano um, over the message over messenger the other day. And he was talking about how um, he, he sees his role as a very practical one. 
um, as a very, in regards to space exploration and as a very, um, you know, I suppose, yeah, practical is probably the best word. And, and I see my role really as a more philosophical, um, yeah, religious, um, uh, existential, spiritual role. Um, yes. That's how, yeah, that's how I see my role too. Yes, yeah, and I think we've got to have these two sets of people and... Um, we need both. Yes, yeah, we do. And uh, I think we can both learn from each other as well, um, which I'd like to see a little bit more from, from some of the space agencies. I'd like to see that. This is just a hope of mine. You know, this is just an ideal, but I'd like to see that from, you know, NASA, for example, looking at the philosophical side of what they're doing. Uh, they see they're just doing things and they're doing great things, but it, there's never that deeper aspect. There's never, I've never seen that. I mean, you, maybe you can point me to some things that they've done, but, but I, I don't know. I, there's just something missing for me that is not quite there yet. Um, a space agency is a bureaucratic organization. It's difficult yeah. to do these kind of things, but there are, uh, yeah, you know, there are uh, encouraging signs. Like for example, uh, the NASA historians, like uh, Stephen Dick and Roger Lonius, they have done excellent work in the last uh, Lonius book uh, called uh, the Apollo Legacy. There is a chapter on uh, uh, religion and space where uh, you know he does things that are very much related to what we are discussing yeah he's a few years ago like 10 or 15 years ago they sponsored a study on good ideas coming from uh, science fiction included uh, very far future oriented science fiction which could be used somehow in today's uh, space uh, programs and uh, that was also a valid initiative. It is uh, difficult to launch uh, an initiative that is uh, culturally interesting mm -hmm. in the environment of a bureaucratic space agency, but uh, sometimes uh, some uh, especially motivated uh, individual within the agency managed to do that. It's a matter of chance. It's a matter of, um, you know, being in the right place at the right time and getting to yeah. the right person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to, as we become, come to the conclusion of, of our talk, I just wanted to ask you as well, um, sort of two questions, really. I think, first of all, I, I, I saw, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I think I saw on Facebook that you were talking about how you now sort of more identify as um, cosmist rather than transhumanist. Is that correct? And and sort yes. of and, yes. and and why have you made that change and that announcement and that sort of shift in? Do you see yourself more going towards a more space specific rather than because there's a lot that com covers transhumanism? Yeah, because you know, I'm uh, I am relatively uh, uninterested in uh, many of the things that uh, those who call themselves uh, transhumanists yes. are interested in. Yes. Like, uh, you know, I'm not that interested in life, ex in the, in uh, uh, life extension. Right. Yes. When my time uh, comes, I will, uh, uh, I will go knowing that uh, it's not the end. 
and that will be resurrected. That's also something that many transhumanists don't like to hear. Uh, many transhumanists are far too optimistic, but I think to the point of being ridiculous on how fast things can improve right now. I mean, I mean uh, um, radical life extension, uh, conscious artificial intelligence, uh, practical molecular nanotechnology, you know, all these things will happen eventually, but uh, not. Not, uh, not before the end of the century, I'm afraid. We won't see them, well, you perhaps will. I won't see them with my eyes. So, uh, you know, this uh, is the part uh, of the transhumanist uh, culture that uh, I don't like very much. And also the fact that uh, many transhumanists seem to subscribe to a scientist religion, yeah. according to which science is the only important thing. Yeah. I don't agree. Science is a very important thing, but it's not the only important thing. The kind of uh, worship uh, rationality, which I don't. I think rationality is not an end, but uh, a tool. Yes. It's like, it's like a screwdriver. I mean, if I have to work with... Uh, uh, screws, of course, I will use a screwdriver myself. Yeah. That's why I like rationality very much because it's a very good tool. But you know, just like uh, a screwdriver is useless if you have to work with nails, you need a hammer for that. So, rationality is not the right tool for many important things. Yeah. So, for all these things, I really don't call myself a transhumanist anymore. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, there is a there are many definitions of cosmism, but one that I like very much is kind of a soft transhumanism. It's basically compatible, but you know, it's much softer, it's more open, uh, it's less uh, insanely focused, it's uh, more open to spirituality and all that. Okay. So that's why, yes, you know, I have uh, called myself uh, a transhumanist for many years. At one point, I was the executive director of the World Transhumanist Association. Yeah. But uh, recently, I don't. I have nothing against transhumanism, but uh, I do prefer to call myself a cosmist. Yeah, and I think um, two points to take from that is that aren't we... Aren't we funny people in terms of, um, you know, humans, because we will create really a religion out of anything, even oh, sure. out of science, you know, we will... We will a sport club can be a religion <laughs> for supporters. Yes, uh, it's, it seems to be part of our tendency, our, our nature, really, as um, human beings is to create, quote-unquote, a religion out of... Of, of even something that, that purports to be totally opposite of, of, of religion. Um, and then the second point there was that I, I like that I liked your transition because to the cosmist identity because I think it, it, it highlights the fact that the group of people that we're involved with, um, we do need a collective identity that is distinct from other movements that are taking place right now. This is why I think, you know, the cosmist and astronomist identities are really important because we aren't just part of transhumanism. We aren't just part of, 
futurism, those two words get used quite a lot, don't they? Um, you know, we're, we're part of a, a new stream or a, a, a distinct stream of, of, of focus on outer space. Um, so I think that's really, really important to, to just to focus on sort of galvanizing that identity in, in not only uh, among people that we talk to, but among people in the broader world. Um, I think that's a really part, like, like Christians have their identity. We know what a Christian is. We know what um, Christianity is. Um, we, the people of the world needs to know what a cosmist or an astronist is, and they need to have an identity in, in that way. I think that's a really powerful way of actually getting a lot of the things we were talking about before, you know, that this message out there, how do we do that? Well, you do it through people. You do it through having an identity that is distinct from other things taking place uh, right now. But I just wanted to ask you, uh, the final question that I have was just, um, what is one thing that you think that, you know, we should be talking about more what should be on people's lips? What should be, you know, what is one thing that, that you think we should be talking about more that we're not talking about uh, as much as we should right now? What would, you, what, what would you say is the topic? If you can think of it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have a single answer to that. Okay. Right. Uh, if you want to, focus the question on space yes which perhaps is your intention yeah i think that uh, we should insist very much on the fact that our ideas in support of space exploration space expansion colonization whatever you want to say are not against some of uh, the dominating cultural uh, trends of today. And I have made the case of uh, the protection of the environment, yeah. which, you know, um, it is easy to think something stupid, like, you know, the environment is a, a green, is a flower, space, space is metallic, is uh, not alive, so that the two things cannot uh be friends but must be enemies yeah. that's uh, uh that's a uh, total bullshit because if you really care about uh, the long-term future of the earth then you want to see heavy industry that uh, pollutes the environment moving to space yeah uh so in this case uh, our ideas are not against uh, the ideas of the of the uh, majority at this moment because at this moment you know people do care about the environment mm -hmm. they do care about social justice a lot mm -hmm. and it's easy to develop the mistaken idea that uh, space expansion is something that goes against the ideals of social justice because yeah. it's uh, not so at all uh, you know i was uh, talking of the expanse 
Now, if you just think of the show, that's why I think The Expanse is very good science fiction. Okay. I usually uh, don't like uh, science fiction films and TV show because I think they are much, much worse than the book they are uh, derived from. But, you know, The Expanse is good. Yeah. The show is as good as the books. And here you have, you know, the main uh, character of this season is a black woman. Uh, another uh, uh, important and nice uh, character of another season was uh, someone with a very non-traditional family. And, you know, you have... All these things you have them in the expense so that you know if you care for uh, you know women rights black rights gay rights and all that uh, they are not at all against uh, yeah. uh, our uh, aspirations to go to space space is big and everyone is welcome and perhaps uh, if you think that one of the problem of the earth is that it is small and uh, you know Mm, if you have to be too close to other people, it is easy to think of them as uh, enemies and be afraid of them. Uh, you know, you're always a little bit afraid of what you don't know. Yeah. So if someone is your uh, uh, neighbor mm. and you have to see them every day, you must you may develop a bad relation with them. But you know, if everyone is their house. Yeah. If if everyone can move, I think this is the key point. If yeah. everyone can move, then even if you actually don't move, you still have that sense of freedom that comes from knowing that if you want, you can move, and that can make you much more accepting of other people and much more supportive of other people. So that not only our aspirations to go to space do not go against the ideals of social justice that are shared by a majority today, but they can even be mutually supported. And I think these are the two points that we should make. We are not the enemy. Uh, we are an ally. And going to space is going to be useful for a lot of different for a lot of uh, agendas different from ours. Yes, definitely. What a brilliant way to end it, though. What a, that's a Yeah, I love that. And I think that's a great way to end both this conversation, but also, you know, the broader series as well, because I think we've there's been so much talked about the last six months with different people, and they've all been great. But I think that's linked everything to the broader things that are taking place in the world. Uh, so thanks very much for that, Julio, and uh, it's been brilliant talking to you, as always, and I'm sure hopefully you'll come back again for season two or three or whenever we <laughs> can get back in touch, and, uh, and I thank everyone for watching. I'm going to put all of the links, if Julio, you send me um, all the links that you've mentioned because people will probably want to look at the stuff that you've that you've talked about and I'll put your website in and your social medias and all all that thing in the description and um, yeah so I, I, thanks everyone for watching and um, let's let's see you in season two I hope <laughs> thanks everybody